All right, and so if you're a guest this morning, thank you so much for being with us. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastor elders here, and it's my privilege to preach God's word this morning to us. When preaching one of the Psalms, uh, Charles Spurgeon was approached at the end of the, the sermon by a lady. It feels like a lot of his stories go like this. Uh, a lady, it's probably the same woman, <laughs> regularly approached Charles Spurgeon to correct him after the sermon. And she came to him and explained to him um, with some frustration that she felt like he was too jovial during the preaching um, of the word. And there was too much laughter and too much joy, um, too much, yeah, all of that in his sermon. At which point he replied to her that um, actually she was wrong and that he was holding back. He explained to her that um, in light of the scripture, what he was preaching, he was actually preaching what we're calling a psalm of joy. Um, and I don't, I don't remember offhand which psalm it was, but um, he let her know that no, actually in light of the tone of the scripture, he was pulling back a bit. I like that. I'm no Charles Spurgeon, but I do feel that sometimes. And some of you do as well, because you've told me. <laughs> Quite a number of you have told me. You were preaching, and I just wanted to shout to my God in praise to him, is what a few of you have said. Some of you have said, I just wanted to stand and applaud and praise to the Lord. Some of you have said, I don't understand how people can sit there so quietly. <laughs> it's all I could do to hold myself back. Well, me too. Uh, a couple years ago, the preaching team here at Trinity went through a, a preaching book together. And this particular book referenced, and I've shared this with you over the past couple years, probably three, four times. But one of the points of the book, one of the big take-homes for me is we not only preach the content of the word, but we preach the tone of the word as well. And so scripture comes with a tone. And the range is pretty broad. It can be from joy to lament. It can be from passion to grief or you name it. There's a wide range of emotions that we find in any particular text. And the goal of the preacher is not only to preach the words on the page, but to preach the tone in which it should carry for us. Um, you, you, if you've been around here long, you know that I, I'll say the Psalms are a loud book. Yes. yes. <laughs> They're a loud book. And so they should be read with some of that passion, if you will. Um, but I also think there's a responsibility in the hearer, not just in the preacher. And it's to respond in kind. There's a particular tone to the text, and we ought not to be indifferent, not only as a preacher, but as a hearer. Sometimes you've heard when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself. Like I will, I'm not saying to you, I'm not, the, I'm not this preacher. I'm not, I'm not the preacher who asks for an Amen. But I am the preacher who, at different times, I respond with my own amen. It usually sounds like this, praise him. That's, that's me speaking to my own soul, responding to, say all that to say, 
You can't read Psalm 92 indifferently. Let there be a tone this morning. It starts off, actually, I'm going to preach the title. We don't usually do that. It says a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. I'm going to preach that in here just a moment. But I want to encourage you. Let us respond in kind to the tone in which this psalmist was writing. Let's pray. Father, we come to your word right now. Lord, this is different than anything else we do today. All the conversation, all the words that are spoken. Lord, now we come to your word. Lord, we sit under your word right now. And when we do where we do, Lord, our souls ought to be responsive to the glories that we find on the printed page. This is no dead book, lifeless book, historical book. Lord, this is life to our soul this morning. And so let life be proclaimed on this song of the Sabbath. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So my first point is sing. Sing. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath. He says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. What a theme this morning already. In the songs that we've sung, in the testimony that we've heard, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. What a gift. What a gift it is that God has given us some sort of outlet to express glorious praise to our glorious God in singing, singing. It's different. Singing is different. Shared this with you before, but it bears repeating. Singing is simply just different than speaking. I can speak things to you or we can sing them and it's different. I can say to you, how great is our God? Say it with me. How great is our God? And that's, that's wonderful to say, right? And it's encouraging to hear that. But then we sing it. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And oh, we'll see how great how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. It's different. different. So the psalmist tells us, on that Sabbath day, sing. 
On that day when we are told, Old Testament, Exodus 10, we're told, remember the Sabbath. That day of rest, sing. But let there not just be any old singing, random singing. Let there be singing to the Most High, to our Lord. Let there be worship. Kim and I have been having an ongoing discussion about Sabbath and about Sabbath rest, trying to wrap our heads around it. All the striving that goes on in our culture, all the lack of rest in our lives and how easy it is for us to buy into that striving. We don't have it figured out by any means, but we're just recognizing that God created the Sabbath for our benefit, for our good. There's a benefit there. No, we're not looking at the Sabbath as some sort of legalistic rest in some way to earn favor from the Lord once a week. No. Rather, we're viewing it as something that is anti this world, anti all the busyness, anti rat race that we live in and I so regularly buy into. That God instituted the Sabbath for us to him in worship of him. We're gonna continue to look at this and continue our conversation around that and look at changes that we might feel led to bring to our lives. But all that said, from the text, let there be singing on that day of rest. Sabbath calls us out of that rat race. It calls us, well, we're told, remember the Sabbath. Remember to step out of the busyness. Remember to step out of that rat race. Remember, step out of the distractions of your week. It says to us, stop your striving. Stop with the self-focus. Stop with all the effort and remember the Sabbath because we forget and we engage with the rat race and we become part of all that in our world. We spend the week forgetting and the Sabbath calls us to remember and is calling us to remember the gospel. Remember to stop your striving for salvation. Remember to stop your wandering and join with the body of believers. This would have been um, a corporate Israel worshiping God, corporately, on the Sabbath. Remember to to stop all the striving and stop all the wandering and join together in song, and specifically the song of joy, the song of celebration, the song of rest, joy, celebration. Now, rest doesn't mean idleness. It doesn't mean sit on the couch all afternoon and do nothing. It's not the song of idleness that the psalmist is writing to us about. Rather, it's a call to rest in your ultimate rest, meaning salvation, rest, redemption, rest, rest in Christ church, rest. Remember the Sabbath and rest in what Christ has worked so that you might rest in your salvation, rest in what he's accomplished for you, rest because he worked. We rest in Christ because he worked for us. We rest at the foot of the cross where he said, it is finished. 
rest. We rest, and as we do, we sing. And if we truly understand what God has accomplished, what he worked on our behalf, then the, the, the work that he did to make our salvation rest even possible, redemption rest possible, then the song will be loud and full of joy, full of rejoicing, remembering what the Lord has done and the psalmist here, you know, I was thinking about this while I was driving to the building this morning. I can't think of anywhere in the Psalms where we're told, say, speak, right? We're not told, say praise to his name. But how regularly the psalmist tells us, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises to his name. Give him praise, almost high Praise him, sing praise. As we remember what the Lord's done, the psalmist is simply saying, let that singing, let that be done on the Sabbath. But not just any old song will do. Let there be content to the singing. And I wanna thank our worship team, in particular Justin, for just your stewarding of the, the lyrics that we regularly sing here at Trinity. And I think it's probably, I hadn't thought about that till right now, but it really is a stewarding, lyrically speaking. Like we want to sing content. We don't want to just sing words. I was thinking this week, you know, I just remember, you know, when I grew up, charismatic circles, you know, we sang Rejoice in the Lord. And, um, you know, we just kept saying it over and over again, but we never really said why. Like, what are we rejoicing in? No, we're just rejoicing. We're just happy people. No, we want to sing content. We want to sing about the Most High. We want to sing about our God and King and Savior, the Redeemer who lives. And that's what the psalmist is leading us to. The title of the psalm a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. That is what we do on Sabbath day. We sing. And then verses one through four explains to us why we do what we do on the Sabbath day. Why we do what we do on the Sabbath day. Like, like what, for instance? It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning, your faithfulness by night. Because of who God is, we sing. It's not random. It's in light of his character. Inform yourself more and more and more about who God is and then sing. Dive into the equip class, any of the three of them. But this one in particular, the, the, the knowing God, what are we calling it? Knowing our, God. knowing our God class. Austin and others will be teaching that class. Dive into that to not just learn things about God, but to inform your soul. Why do we sing with joy? Why are we so encouraged and exhorted and told and even commanded to lift up our voices in song to him? It's because of who he is. And that's where the psalmist goes. He, he says um, to declare. I just love it. He says it's good to give thanks 
Then he says, to sing praise, to declare, declare what? Your steadfast love in the morning, mean, meaning when you wake up, when your head comes off the pillow, it's Sabbath day. Let there be a song in your heart. It's time for singing with joy. Ah, oh, but if you had any idea, if you knew the circumstances that I'm going through or um, the, the, the problems or the challenges or the suffering or what have you, and I would say to you, uh, I, I, I understand. I've walked through that suffering and it's time for singing, soul. In the face of the circumstances, it's time for singing because this is that day of Sabbath rest. I worship my God. Steadfast love in the morning, faithfulness at night. Now, the genre of the Psalms, right, is poetry. And so how poetic is this? What he's saying is, from sunup to sundown, let there be singing. Steadfast love in the morning, praise him. Faithfulness at night, as my head hits the pillow, to sleep. May there be praise on our lips, all times in between. Because the psalmist here is showing us the worth of God. God is worthy. He is worthy. How worthy is he? Well, his steadfast love in the morning, his faithfulness at night. Do you realize that there has never been a single moment of your life? Actually, better than that, even when you weren't, the steadfast love of the Lord has been measured at you before you ever were. Never has your life known a single tick, a single degree where God's steadfast love one degree moved away from you. You've not known that moment. Every day, every moment of every day, God's steadfast love has been on you and his faithfulness, his faithfulness. Now, you think about your steadfast love towards the Lord, my, stead, my, my faithfulness towards the Lord, even more stunning is his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards his people. The psalmist is actually answering for us, how worthy is he? How much or to what length is he worth this singing? And what the psalmist is telling us, he's worthy of all day praise. Sun up to sundown praise. Let there be songs on our lips all day because he is an all day worthy most high God. So Trinity, how seriously do you take this psalm and other psalms like it? Or how long is God worthy? I suppose that would depend on how glad he has made you. How much joy, verse four, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. So based on how you view the works of his hands might determine how worthy he is. To what length or to what amount of worth is he? So I just brought a few pictures with me this morning. There were some of the works of his hands. Uh, two, two mornings ago, I was leaving 
uh, to go to work, and on my rooftop was a hawk. We've got hawks, a few, and uh, so I was trying to get close and snag a picture, and uh, I, I couldn't get him on the roof, and then he landed in my grass, and so I was trying to get, get close to him, and so he took off flying. I had no idea if he was in my, my phone or not, but I snapped it, and then, and then I got to check the picture, and I got it. I got the hawk. And I just enjoyed, sent the picture back into the house to Kim, and I just enjoyed driving to work and thinking, this is the work of my God's hands. This, this guy right here. Maybe it's a gal. This gal right here. <laughs> and she reveals the glory of our God. Just, just one bird. Just a hawk. Aaron and Christian and I were in Colombia last month. Most of you know that. Christian flew into Medellin. Aaron and I flew into Bogota. When Aaron and I got out of the airport, we had, I don't know, three or four hours that afternoon, evening before it got dark. And uh, we hopped in a taxi. We wanted to explore a little bit. And we drove to Monserrati. I don't know if I'm saying that right. You can help me out. Monserrati is what I'm going to go with. Uh, mountain, um, at which point, get out of the taxi, you hop on the cable car, and you go up. You go up the mountain, and it is awesome to be on the top of that mountain. The views are absolutely stunning. Um, this next picture is actually a silhouette of Aaron. So I'm just standing behind him, and that picture's pretty amazing, but you know... Yeah, that scene continues to go in both directions and in some ways around us. So that's overlooking Bogota. And you just stand, or do you stand? Do you stand and just go, my God, he's the creator of this landscape. And it's stunning. Two weeks ago, Kim and I found ourselves, it was our 31st anniversary, and... Um, we were away for a couple days. We drove to uh, Hilton Head area, and uh, one afternoon we went for a walk. On the walk, we ended up on some water. There was a swing out by the water, shade tree, nice cool breeze blowing through. And, uh, you know, I just look at that picture and go, um, not that impressive from a picture standpoint. Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. And the, just the weather, the whole bit. Dolphins were going through, you know, we've seen all of that living here. We can take it for granted. While we were on the bench, Kim began to, I think first she began to sing the doxology. I'm terrible with lyrics, so I just chime in where I can. I'm sure the passerbys were thinking, she can sing. Maybe that guy should lose some of those lyrics, but... We sang all creatures of our God and King. And we just beheld the glory of God. I'm always amazed at someone who can paint a landscape. Isn't it impressive? Somebody who's a painter and paints landscapes. And you go, wow, you know, the lighting, the this, the that. The, it's impressive. But I'm also just stunned that that's all. A painter can do. All a painter can do, I can't do this, 
So it is impressive, don't misunderstand. But a painter has never created a landscape. It's never said, be a mountain. (laughs) It can simply paint the mountain, which is awesome. But let's be clear. The one who creates the mountain is to be worshiped. Yeah, we're on different levels at that point, right? We all get that. It's impressive. By all means, you have a gifting. You are talented. I cannot do that. And then we turn to God. And on the Sabbath rest day, we sing of his glory because he is worth it. He is worthy. He is worthy. He creates what a painter realizes, oh, that's shadow. Oh, because that's a light, (laughs) right? He created that light that creates the shadow that the painter paints. Ah, on a canvas, one dimensional, praise be to God. When God creates, not one dimensional. Oh no, we climb those things. We ride on those things. We stand at the top of those things and we say, praise be to our God, almost high. He creates them. Only God creates landscapes. We simply try to put them on a one-dimensional canvas. His handiwork, think telescope, wide angle, glory. Oh, we're sitting on that bench. We're not even thinking about just the ocean life that's right in front of us. Clueless, clueless to all the life right there. Clueless to all the life that's in the grass around us. Clueless to the galaxies. We're not, we are just beholding some dolphins, some boats, some beautiful water in a breeze. And that's, we're just worship. Clueless to all the other glories our God has surrounded us with. A number of years ago, we were able to travel to New York. We went to Niagara Falls, rode on the Maid of the Mist boat tour. How many of you have been on Maid of Mist? All right. You ought to go. <laughs> go so you can worship God. Because, wow, when you're on that boat and you're thinking, gosh, we're kind of a little close. Like, how close are we going to get? And you wear a rain jacket, all right? They give you a rain jacket because that spray, well, you can see, it's rain. The thunder of the water crashing down shouts, worthy, worthy. My God is worthy. Glory, worship. The beauty of the blue Caribbean waters. This is St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. Been to that beach. How incredible is that blue in that water? It just sings. Glory be to my God. My God, my God made that. We take pictures of it. It's the best we can do. As incredible as all that is, it pales in comparison to the beauty of a sinner saved by grace pales. The greatest handiwork this world has ever known is his work that accomplished, that brought about your salvation. Monserrati Mountain pales in comparison to a hill 
called Calvary. As stunning as that mountain is, overlooking all of Bogota, give me the little hill called Calvary. Blue waters cannot compare to darkened hearts made clean in Christ Jesus. How glad, church, has he made you? I would say that will depend on how captured you are in that hill called Calvary. So verse one, he says, sing praises to your name, O Most High. Verse three, he says, to the music, the lute, the harp, the melody of the lyre, he's saying, strike up the band. Let's go, guys, and let's worship our God together. Verse four, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work at the works of your hands. I sing for joy. So sing, church, sing. Number two, some do not see it. It's verses six through nine. Let's read them together. The, the stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. That, that shouldn't be in our hearts kind of belittling or derogatory, that should be pity in our hearts. You can't know. Lights have not been turned on here. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. There's a couple contrast, compare and contrast things going on here in these couple of verses. The psalmist is showing us in comparison, those who know, those who see it, or I would say those who have the lights turned on to the glory of our God, and those who don't, they're missing this glory. It's evolution, right? That's not to be mocked, friends. That's to be pitied. That's to, be, that's to stir a heart in us of concern for lost individuals. The light has not turned on. God, would you move? We pray, we hurt, we hunger that they might come to know the glory of our God. And perhaps this is why the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 10, which is such an important text to us, and it's already been referenced this morning, but again, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of son, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why did the author of Hebrews include that in the book of Hebrews? Well, he included it because they were forgetful, because they were neglecting, because we are forgetful, because we neglect. And my point here is that the psalmist is saying, look, you're not the fool. Don't neglect this Sabbath song, this gathering together with the believers because we're not to be like those who lack understanding. If you, are say, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, then you have understanding. To then turn around and neglect this Sabbath song, we're acting as if we're not in the light. So don't neglect the gathering where we do this Sabbath singing. 
together. Don't ignore it. Don't dismiss it. Wake up your soul where the soul needs to be awakened and sing together because he's worth it. He's worth it. To what extent is it? Oh, to what extent? Wake yourself up if you are tired and slumbering because he's worth it. Tell your soul. That was last week's sermon, right? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Come on, soul. Tell your distracted soul, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Tell your wandering soul, I was given life for this, and then I was given new life for this. He is worthy. He is worthy. Two weeks ago, we preached Psalm 65. Do you remember? Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you, shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. The week before that, Do you remember Psalm 32? Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Soul, praise him. Because he's worthy because you're not verse six and seven. You're not verse six and seven. If you are a believer, follower of Jesus Christ, here it is again. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand that, this. That though the wicked sprout like grass, all evildoers flourish. They are doomed to destruction forever. You're, You're not that person if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So stop acting like it right? Neglecting that Sabbath song is acting like I'm six and seven. Can I be so bold? And I'm going to address those of you who are live streaming this morning. Thank you so much for live streaming with us. And it's been amazing over the year and a half of COVID and all of that, how many folks we've found out. It's incredible to us. People around the country watch the live stream. I should be looking at you. You're watching from around the country. We've heard from individuals who are watching in other countries, the live stream. It's amazing. Can I encourage you? Turn off our live stream and find your local church. Find your local church. We love that you would. It encourages us in our gospel ministry. But I exhort you, find your local church. Because watching a sermon while you're eating corn flakes on your couch, 
is not what this psalm is about. It misses God is worthy. Watching a sermon while you drive to work is not church. And I think, well, from very early on of COVID, I was saying the technology to live stream, what a gift, what a curse. Because it feeds our consumer laziness. So please hear my heart. Thank you for watching. But please find your local church. Find a body of believers, imperfect believers, and worship your God there. Because you need more. And thank you, Tim. Where are you? There you are. You nailed it. You need more than a sermon. You need a people. Where your voices, you know what's happening to me this morning while we're singing? I'm singing to the Lord. You're singing to the Lord, but you know what? You're singing to me too. Did you know you're singing to the person next to you? Now you're not singing like, praise be to Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) You're not singing but you're, you're singing to other souls and you're informing him. As I hear you respond, it stirs my heart. Oh, soul, wake up, soul. Wake up, soul. A further comparison is being made here as well. It's saying that the foolish man puts, puts out the efforts and it sprouts like grass. Isn't that frustrating? You've seen that, right? Like, wait, what? Like, like, I'm seeking to honor the Lord. I'm seeking to be faithful. I'm seeking to be moral. I'm seeking to be ethical, et cetera, et cetera. The evildoer sprouts like grass. That's what the psalm is saying. And you've seen it. Prosperous. Things going well, successful. He gets the promotions. But another comparison, verse 7b They are doomed to destruction forever. Look at verse eight. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. See the comparisons. Okay, okay, you evildoer who's sprouting like grass for 50, 60, 70, 90 years. Wow, 90 years, right? We start to get impressed. 90 years. It's a long time. Not compared to 8a. Verse eight, you, O Lord. (laughs) How does he put it? But you, O oh Lord, are on high forever. There's a reason, right? There's a reason. There's not a U-Haul behind the hearse. All those 50, 60, 90 years of possessions, all that sprouting like grass gets left behind. Wow, if we could just put a dot on the wall and say, that's your 90 years, 90 years, that dot, a pen, all the rest of the dots on the wall don't represent eternity. I was going to say it represents eternity. They don't. There's there's an eternity of dots. And we say, I'm going to live for the dot. And wow, look at me sprout. Look at my great success. Oh, Only the Lord are you on high forever. Praise him. 
Number three, he tells us to show it. Verses, well, I'm just going to jump down all the way to verse 10. Let's get to singing. He says to declare. Some of your versions will say to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. It's a further contrast between those who see and those who do not see. And it extends with this, show it, proclaim it, sing it. This text is calling us. Like when we preach a text, there's an application, right? Is it calling us to to be something? Is it calling us to know something, to understand something? Ah, this this text calls us to do something. Proclaim it, show it. And you do that in singing. There's to be a showing of this text. There's to be a declaration among the people of God about our God and his worth in our lives. It reminds you, perhaps, of Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, this long sentence. And Paul just keeps coming back around. He'll say, to the praise of his glorious grace. And then he'll give you more Redemption story to the praise of his glorious grace. So church, let there be praise to his glorious grace this morning. Let's stand together. Let's sing.